you are listening to the Yo Yo podcast. So you know we all think and and we can express and act on our thoughts in order to live in a society, and that's part of our nature. What sets humans apart from everything else? But where do we draw the line? Sometimes people think that their overthinking somehow prevents bad things from happening. And they think that if they don't worry enough or refresh the past enough, then somehow they'll encounter more problems. But how can we make it turn to our favor? Stay tuned to find out. So, welcome to Yo Yo Squad, your only young ones, the podcast to accelerate growth among youth in Malaysia. We offer a diverse range of conversation from professionals to youth that will be beneficial to you. Our squad simplifies and relates the topics and learnings for you, making it more actionable. I'm Isha, and I'll be your host for today. In this episode, we will be talking about changing overthinking into a superpower to achieve your goals with Miss Mallory Loon. Uh, Ma- Miss Mallory, thank you for joining us. So, could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself before we get into the hot topic? Right. Hi, Sean. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you or hear you in this case. Uh, I'm Mallory. I'm the co-founder of Work Inspires. Uh, basically, what we do is that we are a people engagement and development company. We work with companies across numerous countries to create culture and leadership programs. But we also love working with young people. So we do want to stay young in some way and go back to campus and always help graduates to get into the job or the workforce or startups for that matter. So that's a bit about me on a serious side. Uh, would you like to tell us a, b- a bit more about your hobbies? Okay, so for fun, I like to play golf. I love coffee. I cannot say no to coffee. So if anyone ever makes me sad, they buy me coffee or chocolate, whichever they come first. And I'm also a Formula One fan. Oh wow, wonderful! So, um, so I see that you're founder and creator of opportunities of work inspires. You're a f- woman entrepreneur and. It must have not been that easy. So your journey as a woman entrepreneur and ability to deal with emotions and mental stress, uh, how how do you think you know you're coping with it? How did you manage to get this far? And you know, would you like to give us tips? Like I, I as a female look up to you, and I would want to know how you all how you managed. Uh, thank you so much for that. I'm very flattered. But <laughs> like for me. Um... Okay, I'll, I'll share a bit. I actually studied ACCA. So I actually studied professional accountancy. Um, but I didn't, I, as I was studying, I realized that, you know, maybe it isn't really my thing. But I really didn't plan to become an entrepreneur per se. It just happened along the way. Like, you know how life takes you on numerous journeys and then you just ended up where you ended up. So I think for, I remember very distinctively, I remember when I was starting out in this entrepreneurship journey, someone actually said to me, someone close actually said to me, um, Mallory, are you sure you want to be an entrepreneur? And I said, uh, yeah, why? Uh? And the person said, well, you know that ladies tend to be a bit more emotional. So I'm not too sure if that's a good thing for entrepreneurs. And I was like, excuse me, was that like some sexist remark that you just throw at me or something? But uh, he, he, is, he didn't mean it. I'm, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that he didn't mean it in a mean way. He just meant it as, you know, you have to be very clear with your emotions. When you're running a business, you cannot get too emotional. But then again, I've seen a lot of men be emotional too, right? So I highly doubt it's a gender issue. Um, but when things like, as a lady in entrepreneurship, this is something you tend to hear very frequently. And it's something you tend to hear very often. People subconsciously throw remarks without noticing that it might be a bit 
a bit uh, ticked off. Oh, your lady's a boss. How is it like? Nobody says that if your lady's a man. You know, I mean, your boss is a man, right? They just say that if you're a lady. No, things like that tend to come. So uh, I think uh, that was one of the earlier challenges that I had to deal with. But I'm quite fortunate in the sense where I grew up in a family that did not really put gender issue as an issue. Alright, I'll give you an example. Um, like, for example, my dad, we have three girls in the house, so me and two younger sisters, right? And so my dad is very used to this women empowerment thing from young. He's the only guy in the house, so by default, he's the minority. Um, but with that said, he always tells us that, you know, you earn your place. You work for your place. You earn your results. No one's going to give it to you for free. So hence why this gender thing never really come to us. We just learn to work really, really hard to cope with anything that comes with our lives. And in until when I actually started my entrepreneurship journey, when we started hearing remarks like that, every time to go, hmm, really? <laughs> Such thing after all. So uh, I think I think for if I was given advice for all the young ladies or uh, men for the matter who wants to start something, is to look for a mentor or a guide. Because when I started my, I didn't really have a mentor and I do have a guide. So these remarks come to me and I take it as, oh, it's normal. You know, it's part of growing up. It's, but it's not supposed to be normal. It's not supposed to be accepted in society. It just, it just comes. So that's why I always encourage anyone who wants to start, get a mentor, get a friend to encourage you to be your support system, but also know how to give you enough firmness or tough love, like I said, uh, to show you that, hey, just because you're a lady doesn't mean you have the easy way out, but just because you're a man doesn't mean you should discriminate. And vice versa. Yeah, I mean, you know, even me, I have me and my sister and you know two daughters from my parents so there have been so many occasions when people would just go up to them and be like oh you only have two daughters that's so sad and my mom's like wait what's wrong with that they, they didn't understand that and I grew up no thinking that there wasn't anything wrong with it you know so when people I encounter right now they're just like oh you're emotional I'm like huh <laughs> what <laughs> excuse me I completely get you my gosh yeah. I can't believe it so I totally get that. But, you know, now we're go- moving on to the topic at hand. As a professional overthinker, and I'm talking about myself here, how do I, how should I determine when I'm overthinking? Because in a lot of times, I'm just thinking this is normal. This is, this is how I am. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with it. But I know it's bad, but I don't know any other way to be. So in that case, how do I determine I'm overthinking? Like, how did you realize that, you know, this is overthinking and this is, uh, you know, where I should draw the line. Okay. First and foremost, I got to say, I'm very happy to meet a fellow overthinker because I'm on myself. So I'm serious. I, I, I really think that, okay, see the word think, right? So um, to me, I really think that thinking comes from the risk appetite of somebody. Okay. I'll just maybe give a bit of information about how this mm-hmm. overthinking come about. If there's some, do you know there are some people, if you see your yo-yo, then you have also heard of YOLO. You only live once, right? Yeah. So on the other hand, you have a group of people that will always say, don't overthink, just do spontaneity. Give you an example, right? There are some people who can pack minimal luggages, minimal clothes, <laughs> pack in a random bag, go to an airport and say, hey, let's fly off somewhere. I cannot. If you see me plan for my holiday, my gosh, I'll review things, I'll check pictures, I'll see ratings, I will call in advance, make sure the booking is confirmed even though I received the email and many, many things of sort. So I'm a very 
You know, I really am not a spontaneous kind of person. Uh, neither am I that mistaking, which kind of contradicts when you're running a business, right? Because you're supposed to be somewhat mistaking. So uh, for me, a person who overthinks are people, generally are people who are not that mistaking, which is perfectly fine because risk appetite changes from person to person. There are some people who can, like I said, jump on a plane and go wherever the world takes me. And some people, nope, i got to plan my life five years in advance. I cannot do short-term things. So it's just, it's just very different according to So with that said, right, I always say there's nothing wrong being an overthinker. Since you're already going to think, I would rather you channel your thinking thoughts to a productive thinking process rather than wasting time. Okay. How do you know whether overthinking is bad for you? It comes when you can't make decisions anymore. Okay. It comes from when you know very clearly the opportunities are lost because you do not have the confidence or the, the gut to just jump and say, yes, I'm going to do it. And opportunities are lost. So that is when the line is there and you're already reaching the maximum limit of your overthinking capacity. So hence why you need to take a step back and say, okay, I got to change the thinking way. So you can't stop overthinking. How do you channel it to a good way of thinking? All right. I would always, um, I like for me personally, I would like to pen things out in a very simple way that like pros and cons. If I take this, what's the good of it? If it's, you know, very simple thing, pros and cons, right? Because everybody can do pros and cons. And then I give myself a very strict time limit to make a decision. Very strict. It doesn't come from negotiating because the next part of overthinking is procrastination. When someone said, Hey, Isha, would you like to try this? Isha said, give me some time to think about it. And then say, okay, come back to me in a week. So Isha will think about it Monday. Then Gutfield says, you should go for it. Okay, then Tuesday comes. Isha wakes up and says, okay, no, better not. I'll talk to somebody. Wednesday comes, somebody said, no, not a good idea. But Thursday, somebody said, it's a great idea. By the time the decision is supposed to come on the next Monday, you'll be like, okay, I can't do it. I do not know what to do. So what do you do? You will just reply saying that I decline politely because I'm not ready. So that's the bad part of overthinking, right? So for me, if I have a week, somebody gave me a week to make a decision, I give myself three days. And I make the decision, I don't buy it. That's it. There's no more what ifs, no more what goes on, anything of that sort. I'll just close it and go, that's it. So I do my pros and cons. I talk to as many people as I want to, but three days is my deadline, and then that's it. So that works for me, personally, as an overthinking. And to me, that kind of covers it. Yeah, that literally sounds like how I'm, you know, doing online shopping and I'm stuck wanting to buy something for seven days. It could have been delivered in seven days, but I'm still just thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it and, end up, and I end up not buying it, you know. This is why 99 sales are good <laughs> and 88 sales are good and whatever day sales are good because it forces people like you and I to make a decision because we need the discount. Exactly, totally. <laughs> so how do I change my overthinking into a strength okay so for me um don't stop overthinking it's a good thing but you need to know how to declutter your thoughts okay i'll just marie condo this thing i don't know whether your generation or marie condo is but we're gonna marie condo this okay so um generally marie condo was the lady that you know declutters closets and condominiums and say does this spark joy if it doesn't spark joy you put it away okay that i've marie seen the memes Yes, that, that memes. That's why I said, you know, you know, it's a funny thing. Just derail a bit. Uh. This is like not an old thing. Like it wasn't like 10 years ago. It was just something that happened like two, three years back. And it's already a gap 
like I, I was speaking to another group of students and they look at me and go who condo and I was like am I that old was it that old I was just checking every everybody and I'm like is it an old person thing they're like no it's just like three years ago my crazy rich agent is about there and I'm like okay so it's not me it's just you know society the social media world but anyways so um there's a concept right does this spark joy does this spark joy let it go a lot of times we tend to overthink and control things that we cannot control mm-hmm. we worry about things that we cannot control so I, i'm a very process and systematic person when i think okay so i'm a high AD, uh, auditory digital so when i think things i think in a very structured manner so i'm going to give things a very step-by-step way okay first thing first is that i always list out things i can and cannot control Now I became better at it, so I just do my head. But normally, when I first started practicing change of mindset, I would draw a line literally, and I write controllable, non-controllable. So I will write down a list of things I can control about whatever worries, list of things that I can't control. Whatever I can't control, I literally did this. I'll tear the paper in half, crunch it, throw it away, and go voila. Okay, cannot control. So my focus on my mind is naturally just on what I can control. This is why journalism became important because some people, are, when you have too much of your mind, you can't journal down. So journaling became a thing, right? So that you can put uh, as an outlet. So same thing here. Whatever is on your mind, put it down. Controllable, not controllable. Tear the paper in half. Throw the every non-controllable part away. Keep the controllable area. What you can control. It. And then once you do that, I put it down in a very big paper and I just write every single thing that's on my mind. Everything. So your overthinking will go into overdrive, and you just throw everything down related to it. Like you just mind map it out. Let's say COVID nineteen happened, pandemic happened. Okay, I'm worried about getting a job. So controllable factor. What can you control to get a job? Your interviews, your resumes, the companies you hire to, your CGPA, your curriculum. Ah, you can't control that. Write those things down. You can't control economy. You can't control recession. You can't control government policies. So, screw those things. Just focus on what you can. Then my map. I literally just draw hundred one arrows of everything I can think about on this area that's on my mind. Once you put out, you realize that your brain stopped thinking because your mind is just going to this overdrive, hyperdrive thing, and it just runs. And then after a while, it just clear everything. After you finish writing everything down, it just empties it. So when you can do that. What you can do is you learn to see things in a very clear manner, and you learn to eliminate what you can do. You start planning out things, goals, and processes, and steps, and planning whatever it is that you can take actions that you can do. So that's why I always say overthinking is a strength, because only an overthinker can think twenty, thirty steps ahead, because they have everything in their mind. The challenge is how do you put that into very clear timeline that doesn't disrupt the flow. That's all. It's because now what happens is your mind is like a mush of wires tumbling and you know tangled together, uh, because you're overthinking. Kind of have no sense of ways. So what you're trying to do is just give you a GPS and a ways to your thinking process and making it clear to get to your direction. That's all you're doing. So overthinking is definitely a strength. Um, you just need to pen it out. Well. Yeah, I I agree with you. You know, like um, when I was still a teenager. I would always overthink, and it would it would be paralyzing. Like I'd be stuck thinking about it, and I wouldn't be able to do anything else. But you know, recently I've noticed how journaling kind of helps me 
see visualize clearly about what is needed what what's on my mind kind of categorize it like okay it has to be written in words so i really need to figure out the correct way of writing it down and that sort of helps me uh put my thoughts together you know and so i i, I how did you get to this point where you know you're just thinking it in your head now i think it's practice it's a lot of practice because yeah. uh to me a lot of people think thinking is a gift but for me thinking is a skill so it is a skill because you can let i will give you a very easy example right if i ask you what would you like to eat for dinner what do people normally answer anything up to you you choose right so when a person answers things like that you automatically stop thinking you're not thinking you're just giving by default answers you don't bother putting the effort to ask yourself what do i feel like having you don't even bother that you just went straight to anything up to you i don't care you pick you choose chin chai la whatever malaysian you know right so that's what you do so when people start doing that you notice in every single other areas of life you do not know how to make clear decisions anymore because your mind just goes into default anything i do not know i don't care up to you so uh, when you practice so when i first started i started putting this out so as a teenager like you i needed to journal a lot because it really bothers me and when i think too much i cry i worry my mental stress part really gets to you very strongly i get insomnia and many things between us okay so that tends to happen when i was younger uh now whenever i feel bothered so i use the word bothered so whenever uh, my cue is bothered so say stress i use bothered so whenever i feel worried or whatever i recoin it to bothered so when i'm bothered i write it down so the first i still manually do it down controllable not controllable so i have this like sticky notes things that i carry around with me all the time and i just write down everything you see yes So that's how we do stick it on paper. So I just write everything down, and once I'm done, I just fold it up. Well, and then I'll just once I list it down, I realize okay, crossed out what I cannot, and I'm like, all right, actually, I can only I need to do five six things. Not that hard after all. Eventually, as you do it enough, your your mind will be programmed to think that way because like all skills, right? Like driving, like cycling, like cooking, like baking, it takes practice, and once you practice enough, you become good at it. So same thing like thinking. Once you practice more, good enough, it becomes a habit, and it's a good thing. The goal would be for my goal for all overthinkers out there is how can you turn thinking into a strategy? Hmm. Because a key asset is strategizing in a live anywhere that you go. So what makes you highly employable? What makes you a great business owner or entrepreneur, whatever it is, is the ability to strategize. Because people can teach you how to execute the job. But people can teach you how to think about planning the job, how to be resourceful. So a good overthinker will eventually become a strategist, and that comes from practice. So think of it this way: when you overthink, you're already one step ahead because your mind kind of automatically jumps further than everybody else. So it's a good thing. Um, now you just do. Put it in a structuralized manner or strategic manner that you understand things from different lenses. Then you're good. So you know, from your personal experience, I I'm curious to know: was there any significant event that took place that made you push towards you know having a change in mindset that you mentioned earlier, you, where you decided, okay, I need to figure out how what I can control, what I can't control. Like, was there a turn of events that led you oh, to yes. this moment? There was one drastic one. If you knew Mallory, uh, just say for five years ago. It's very different, Mallory. Okay, Mallory five years ago was what people call a ganjong auntie. 
or panic lah. Okay, so in Akancho means you like uh, cannot sit still. Like you know, you gotta get things fast. You're very fidgety that kind of thing. So I'm a very Akancho person, and I'm also a very emotionally driven person. Um, I I'm uh, what you call empath, meaning somebody who empathize. Uh, so I'm the type of person that I watch movies, I cry, even though it's a good thing. Okay, just because I put myself in the shoes of the character and I go, my God, it's so emotional. Even though it's a happy thing, I cry. Even though it's a funny thing, I cry. Even though it's a, I'm just emotional. Okay, put that way. So, uh, when I first started this business thing, I really didn't know how to deal with tough emotions. So, like angry, anger, for example, frustration. So, I tend to fight it out. I want to things my way. I get frustrated and upset and stressed over things I can't control. So that's just five years ago when I first started. But one drastic event happened was um, about, let me think, when I have three years ago, uh, no, three to four years ago, actually, but three to four years ago, uh, I had a follow-up with my last business partner. Okay? So uh, differences in opinions and many other personal issues that came with it. Uh, hence why I had to leave the business. So imagine that after starting a business for five years, it's like raising a child to about five years old. Okay, you go through the diaper days, the crying days, the insomnia days, right? And then when a kid is cute and, you know, movable on its own, they realize that, okay, the baby is not yours, I gotta take it away. And you put all the effort. So that's exactly what I did. And the, the, the stress part came when I, I did, I hit, remember, I'm very, I wanted to control of things, right? Overthinkers like to keep things in control. We cannot take it when things are beyond our control. That was something I couldn't control. It's a huge change in my life because that was my sole income. That was the business that I built. That was where I thought my life or future would be. That was where I set my 10, 20 year ago overthinkers from 20, 30 years ahead. That was where exactly where I decided to be. Until it was taken away. And when it was taken away, uh, I just didn't know what to do. I felt very lost. I, felt bored. I started volunteering everything in town because I just needed to keep myself occupied. Um, I think about everything. I'm not, and I started thinking things from people's perspective, like, you know, um, like quite common overthinkers do. We think things from like, oh, people will see you as a failure. People will see you as, uh, you know, you didn't do what, if only you've done this, you wouldn't have ended up here. What if, however, five, ten years back, whatever it is now, you know. So those things happen a lot. And, that's when, but it came to a day when I just decided enough is enough. And it wasn't easy coming to the day. It's just that you're tired of crying, you're tired of beating yourself up, you're tired of worrying, and you're tired of being unhappy. And at that point, I just told myself that, okay, you know what, Mallory, your happiness matters. So make a decision or what you want. And I remember my mom was asking me this. She's like, um, so have you decided, I took like a three, six months break, I think, along that line. And then my mom somewhat just asked me, so have you decided what you want to do now? And I was like, okay, I'm going to restart my business again. And she's like, okay, since you decided, go for it. And I'm like, oh, I got mom's approval. Great, let's do it. So that's how it started, you know. Uh, and then I, I went back. But it took, after it started, it took me about another year. Uh, my business partner, Asfa, is very patient with me. So it's been about a year of patience in making sure that I don't have any more overstress, overthinking kind of issues. Uh, but that's also when I learned to change my mindset to being more grateful. So I start my day with a mantra every day. I start my day that you, know, you could be dead. You could have been at worse situations, but you're not. You are alive. You are well. You are. Um, you have a chance to restart when a lot of people don't get second chances. So I learned to count my blessings. So gratitude is actually something I learned, ironically. 
not something that was born out of it. So I learned that I learned to not judge as well. So now I learned to not take into account what other people's lifestyle or opinions are per se. I'm not saying I don't listen to advice or feedback. Okay, don't, it's a different thing. It's more of I don't judge. If someone wants to live their life that way, they live their life that way. If someone wants to do that, they do that. So I learned to stop bothering about what other people really want. I just focus on what I want and what I can achieve, what I can control. And when that too came into place, I became like a 20, 30 times happier person. I learned to really, that's where I really learned how to let go of things I cannot control. And I really to just learn to focus on what I can do. Even if let's say COVID-19 numbers are climbing to 20, 30,000. Last time I would be very stressed about it. Now I'm just like, okay, I can't control that. I can only take care of my family myself. That's it. Oh, businesses, economies are down. Okay, I can't control that. I can only control what I can do with my business. Let's take care of that. So I just learned to really got rid of all that things I cannot control. And for overthinkers, once you clean up all that, you realize that, hey, actually it's only five, six things. It's not that hard. You can manage it. But good thing you brought up. Um, so do you think society, to some extent, contributes to your overthinking as well? Do you still let people's opinions affect you, even now? Uh, I think... I think it's not really... Society is one thing, um, mm-hmm. but I think it's more of an environmental factor for most people. Mm-hmm. So environment kind of affects how a person grows up, how a person's support system is. Like me, I'm quite blessed because I have a very good support system at home. But I've also coached a lot of mentees of mine that do not have a good support system, that people who are parents who are not that uh, supportive or siblings or friends. And because of that, they don't have the confidence. So when you don't have that, that element in you you do not know how to do things for yourself you only end up living life for other people as cliche as it is in today's world that's actually one of the number one factors for a lot of uh, young people right the mental health most of the young people we see struggle at the point of their life where they have to listen to parents or environments or society uh, versus their actual lifestyle or their actual choice of life whether is it in work, in business, or in relationship, or wherever it is. And that's where the the inability or the, the struggle to try to be honest with who you are and try to be honest with people around you causes that. And that's where most overthinking started. So it's highly dependent on the environment, really. And some people, uh, I mean, like social media is selective. Some people very really enjoy being on social media some people don't so i wouldn't really call society view entirely anymore um in today's world people also are more open to say that i don't care what people think it's more of people around me but sometimes your closest support system are the ones that bring you down right because all of the name we and care they bring you down uh without knowing it again it's not anybody's fault in anything it's a lot more of um, is there a way we can bridge communication gap? Is there a way to give you the courage to be more transparent? Is it is it a way to allow some a parent or a friend to be a good listener without judging? That would be able to close that gap. You're right, actually, because, you know, when I think of what others are thinking, in a lot of cases, you know, they're not really actually thinking about me. But I still, you know, overthink to the point where I'm just thinking, okay, are uh, I, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, even though they're not involved in any way. You know, it's just about me. But I'm like, okay, if I do this, how's it going to affect all these other people, you know? Yeah, correct. So, I think yeah. one thing, just to add on to that, right? A lot of times we, we don't clarify. 
Mm. But actually, a very simple solution, right? It's just to go up to somebody and say that, let's say you're worried about what your mom or you know, what your dad or parent feel about, let's say, making certain career choices, right? The best way is to just go up to them, pick the right time and place and ask them, like, okay, this is, but of course, do your homework. Don't be, don't be among those that go up there and don't, a mom and dad, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to change my course or I want to do something else. And then when they say, okay, what do you want to do? I don't know. That's just going to make everybody angry. So don't do that. You're going to be proactive to also do your homework. You're going to be proactive to get your resources in place. You're going to, like, where I wanted to start, um, I did something very different. So my first job, was actually in the Ministry of Finance under agency, uh, something that um, my family members are not very familiar with. So there was a lot of worries about, you know, uh, somebody who graduated as ACC did something completely different. And there was a lot of concerns as well. So I remember that it came to a point I was sitting down with my parents and I was just telling them, okay, this is the job. This is the opportunity I can get out of it. And this is where, you know, I can see. And it's a one-year contract. If it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't go well, I can always go apply and go be an auditor again someone from somewhere, you know? So you got to do you gotta do your part and you just, but you also got to prove that you are actually putting effort. You don't just say that, oh, I want to, you know, I want to do this, but I'm not putting effort. I want to be a YouTuber, but I'm not putting effort. I can't take the rejection, anything. Then it's pointless. Lah. So you got to do your part too. You cannot just go on mommy and daddy or parents or siblings or like there's fault. So the next thing I want to ask you is, you know, how do we strategize in order to uh, turn our overthinking into success? Okay. I think if let's say currently, I'll give you a scenario. If let's say you are, you are somebody that can relate to everything that we are saying in a way that, um, you are somebody who worries a lot. You are somebody who is con- always concerned. You are somebody who stresses easily, right? A couple of things to ask yourself is go back to the place where it all started. Okay. Go back to the place where it all started. Uh, what do I mean by that? Because sometimes the reason why you're like this is because of environmental factors. Like I said, sometimes the reason is just you uh, putting pressure on yourself, trying to be perfect. Sometimes because you are a perfectionist that wants to be, um, delivering the best results for the elders, the family, like you're something the friends look up to or whatever. Like, okay. You're some society influencer, whatever it is, you know. So you had, you set that self talk for yourself. So go back and identify. First thing you gotta do is identify what caused it. If let's say, uh, because when I talk to a lot of young people, sometimes it's really just uh it's anxiety. Sometimes it's actually mental health that issues are going through. Sometimes it's actually depression. So when you're one of them that are going through this, talk to somebody about it and actually go seek help. No joke about it. Okay. But if let's say you are just in your day-to-day life getting stressed out of every single thing, then the first thing is First homework for you, go back to the basics of putting everything down. What is troubling you? What you can control? What you can't control? Go back to that. I know I repeated this like tape recorder, okay? Especially when it's a podcast, you're going to hear it a few times. But I want to drill it down to your head that it's actually not that hard. It's really, really not that hard. So focus on things that you can control first. After that, only seek help, mentorship, or guidance to plan out how it works. If let's say you map out everything you can control and you realize that, okay, I... I'm having some challenges identifying my passion. Number one millennial problem. Okay, identifying my passion. Then, and you do not know what to do. You just thumb track. Okay, so who can you talk to? Maybe your lecturer, maybe your friends, maybe you attend some uh, training, maybe you have some mentor, maybe you just reach out to people like me and all your, I think like cafe and all that, right? All the past uh, 
podcast uh, interviewers that you had. So you can always find us on any social media and say, okay, Maria, I listen to your podcast on this. I'm actually somebody going through this. Is there any advice you can share? That's the, if you do not know, ask. You know, that's the first thing you can do. What you are, if, and the second part, uh, third part now, is that when you seek advice, do your work. Don't think, do. The problem with overthinkers is that we think a lot, but we don't move a lot. We have big ideas and big plans and worries and stress. And it freezes your ability to execute. You just, when you're thinking, you just somehow cannot function. Your brain just goes there and you know you're going to get it done. But you just can't. You just freeze yourself there somewhere. So that's how procrastination happened, right? So a lot of people tell us that, oh, I have a habit of procrastinating or time management. Actually not. You're just overthinking till you can't move. That's basically what you went through. You just think, you're stressed, you think, and you know you're going to get it done. And you look at your to-do list and you just go, I don't feel like doing it. I'm not in the mood anymore. It stresses me out. And then you stop. So if you are reaching at that point, set a, get an accountable buddy. Get an accountable buddy to do it with you. A lot of times we think that we are on this journey. Like I said, overthinking is a very, very common thing uh, in a lot of people. You just don't know it. There are more risk-averse people in the world than there are risk-appetite. Those with stronger risk-appetite, okay? Or risk-taking. So, hence why you're going to have majority of the world that are overthinking rather than a handful of people that just jump on spontaneity. You definitely can find something that relates to you and you definitely can find someone that can be on this journey with you. So to recap, number one, write down everything that's bothering you, controllable, non-controllable. Tear away the uncontrollable and just focus on what you can control. Write down what are the challenges you face with each of those areas. And then number three, seek help. Seek mentorship, seek guidance, seek support, seek anything. If you do not know a skill, learn a skill. If you do not know where to start, seek a mentor, lecturer, guide, whatever it is. Number four, do the work. So your mentor, like if this is someone comes to me and say, Mallory, I'm having this problem finding my passion. I usually have a self-mind map, mapping your interests or strength and weakness, everything. So I have that. My, I used to teach for my mentees because a lot of my mentees have that issue. I had that issue. So I created this mind map activity that I give to my mentees, right? So when you come to me, I'm going to give that mind map template. I'm going to say, please go and fill this up. If you don't do it, I cannot help you. So do the work. And now you're going to go, okay, what if this is not the right answer? What if this change again? Overthinker's problem, right? Uh, what if this happens? There's something called version one, version two, version three. Okay, what you're doing is not set in stone. It's not going to be carried to your grade. It's just a practice. So set a deadline. Get somebody like me or a friend or somebody that says, okay, I want this by Tuesday. Non-negotiable. Get it done. You get that? And then when you start taking your action steps, right, you notice you tend to do faster and faster eventually. Like I said, like baking, cooking, driving, cycling, whatever it is, it comes to practice. Eventually, you can do it on your own very well. And that's how it works. Eventually, you become a very good strategist. You know, one of the things that you just said kind of resonated with me about how we should go back to where it all started. So one funny experience for me has been thinking that I need to be a perfectionist because people are looking at me and people expect me to succeed all the time. And I don't know what failure is. And I don't, because I felt like if I fail, like for some reason, people are going to abandon me or my parents are going to throw me out of the house. But where that thought came from, I do not know. <laughs> so 
that resonates with me. Completely. Actually, that's very true. I remember my perfectionist syndrome came when I was young. Mm-hmm. So I was I'm the eldest on my mom's side, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been like the student that, you know, the Miss Studios that always go straight A's for UPSR, straight A's for PMR, straight A's for SPM, that like, like, so on. And then when um, I remember I was in SPM, my SPM didn't score as well as my PMR or anything. But it was pretty bad, like, okay, to summarize it, it was pretty bad. Um, and my relatives are so sweet people. They have this habit about giving me, um, you know, like they try to give an whenever you do well, right? Mm-hmm. So they started giving me ampao again for my SPM. And I felt, I felt I don't deserve it. And I remember very well, I just broke down and I cried. I ran to the toilet and I just couldn't comprehend it. Until after that, I was so embarrassed. I couldn't even come out and face them. And then they told me that, you know, Mallory, we're just, rewarding you for the work that you're doing. Nobody is going to penalize you for not scoring straight A. And then only I realized it's in my head. Like I just said this thing to myself and I got emotional about it um, for no reason. So same thing like 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 being competitive, like I hate to lose. I don't know why, but I remember when I was five, um, I was in this birthday party and I picked the wrong, I don't know, there's this clown that came in to pick a card or something. And I picked the wrong card and I didn't win. Of course, the birthday girl would get it. Like, like right? It's her birthday. It wasn't my birthday. And I got five ringgit, she got 50 ringgit and I cried. <laughs> so I was wow. coined the term like cry baby, you know. But actually, it just, I hate to lose. I'm just perfectionist. I just hate to lose. And so with that said, um, that is where it all started. I just, nobody really addressed it to me that says, hey, Mallory, no one's expecting you to be perfect. You just have to give your best. It's because of that notion. I grew up thinking I have to be perfect. Not until you reach the SPM level when my relatives came and comforted me after that and said, Mallory, it's okay. No one's expecting you to score straight A's. It's perfectly fine. You do your best. And then only I go, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's why it's very important to go back to where it started. Really, really important. And sometimes all these minor things in your life that you grow up with, you think it's not important, were actually reasons why you became what you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't know where it's coming from, to be honest. Like, I, I still don't know the source of it. Maybe I like people's approval. Maybe they celebrated after I did something good. Maybe that's just what stuck with me. And I thought this is how it's supposed to be for the rest of my life, you know. But it, it's not like that. Yeah, and try try doing something not so good and then you see what they say. Yeah, try exactly. not passing your exam <laughs> and then you see what they say if they say try that, yeah. it's okay you try your best then you'll be like oh I don't need to put so much pressure on myself after all yeah so going back to this um, what are some signs that that indicate that we are actually successfully turning our overthinking into action you know how you said some of some of the actions end up yeah sometimes the things we think end up freezing us right so how do we know we're turning it into action successfully okay for me when you notice that you are less as cliche as it sounds you notice you're less bothered with things then you're actually progressing because like i said the root cause of overthinking is that we worry about things we cannot worry about we don't we are afraid to make decisions because we worry we fail we worry about the unknown we worry about everything life basically so that's basically how overthinking happens right so when you realize that your scope of worry went from 20 things on the list to five things on the list 
you are progressing. As simple as that. So you're actually doing well uh, and give yourself credit for it. A lot of times we try to be the perfect person, but we can't. So give yourself credit for progressing. Uh, is there any way where you reward yourself for overthinking? Okay, if I overthink and I make a good decision, I celebrate. Ooh. I'll go out and so I have a team or whatever it is, I'll celebrate. Now virtually, lah. thank you to COVID, right? So <laughs> not virtually, but I celebrate. And uh, I still make an effort to do some, uh, so I'll say, self-reflections. Okay, how can I do better next time? How can I do better next time? But I also give myself, okay, one thing. A lot of us, when we do self-reflection, we look at what we can do better, but we don't mm-hmm. tell ourselves what we did right currently. Mm-hmm. So when you're reflecting, please make sure you say, okay, what about this that I did well? What about this I should improve? What are some things I can start? And what are some things I should stop doing? Okay? And simple, okay, at the very least, like, what you did well and what you can improve at minimum two. Because a lot of times we criticize ourselves so much. We say what we can't do well, but we don't actually say what we did right. So for me, uh, whenever I make a good decision and whenever I, I make a reward and yeah, and all that, then I would just tell myself that, you know what, Valerie, you try your best. And when I, even if I think, yeah, oh, another simple thing I do as a reward, right? If I say this thing takes seven days to make a decision and I did it three days, I did it right. I'm like, oh, damn, good job, Valerie. Go celebrate. Have a drink. I don't know. Eat sushi. Buy chocolate or whatever it is. Go call something. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, one thing to take from here is also that, you know, learning never really stops. You know, we have to improve on what we've learned and just build up on it, right? So, yeah. Um, Mali, do you have any other things to add to our audience? Like uh, for any advice for, you know, young, impressionable adults like us? I think for me, uh, for young people, all young people, I mean, I consider myself still young. Okay, so for all young people out there, uh, just focus on stop trying to be perfect. Like really, mm. stop trying to be perfect. I live by I learned to live by this quote very well. Um, focus on daily progression, not some days perfection. Okay, I repeat. Focus on daily progress, daily progression, not some days perfection. At the end of the day, we cannot be hundred percent perfect, and we tend to penalize ourselves so much for trying to be perfect. So focus on doing something well every day and doing one thing better every single day is a lot, lot, lot better than beating yourself up for not being perfect. So that's my advice. Well, thank you so much, Mallory. We're almost coming to an end with our show. Thank you for having me. To everybody listening, thank you for listening to our episode today. And we would really appreciate if you can provide your feedback to the squad. Uh, be sure to follow Miss Mallory on LinkedIn. Her name is Miss Mallory Loon. Uh, and make sure to join our community on Discord and follow our social media page on Instagram, which is yoyo squad, uh, yoyo underscore squad, and also our LinkedIn. All the links will be provided in the description of the episode. And we will meet again on our next episode next week. All right. Bye bye.